believe him. And that's the thought throughout this entire book. And we'll conclude 1 John this morning. And uh, it has been a blessing just to preach from 1 John. I have so enjoyed him. 1 John chapter 3, before I do so, is there anyone, this is our handout to put in your Bible on the dates and of services coming up. Has everybody in the church got one of those? Do you need one? All right. Um, where's my ushers? All right. If you'll raise your hand, we'll make certain that you get one, okay? And we want everybody to have one of those, okay? All right. First John chapter 5 and verse number 13. I'm going to point out some words. And if you are accustomed to marking your Bible, you want to mark these words. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, what's the next word? No. no, mark that word. That ye have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we, what's the next word? No. no. That he hear us whatsoever we ask. We what? No. no. That we have the petition that we desired of him. If any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin in, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for him. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is not a, there is a sin not unto death. We, what's the next word? No. no. That whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we, no. that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we, it's the last time, real good life, and we, no. no. That the Son of God is come, and hath given us understanding that we may, oh my goodness, there it is again, we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless now the reading of your word we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll be seated. Some things we can know. In a world filled with so much uncertainties, aren't you glad there's some things we can know? At the beginning of the series, I told you that John was writing to a group of people in Asia Minor that not unlike people in our nation today were experiencing very uncertain, unsettling times. Along with all the material and physical uncertainties, they were living in a culture that had become a melting pot of ideals and 
philosophies and religions. And as a result, it was beginning to take its toll on the churches there. God's purpose in writing this epistle was to encourage you and I this morning that in a world that's filled with so many uncertain things, there are some things that we can be certain of and we'll be certain about. I would just conclude there's five things I want to share with you this morning. And those five things, I believe it's imperative that we are certain about those. Reality is, this life is short. I was thinking about Miss Peggy. She said, right next to Mr. Lewis back there, and unless the Lord does a miraculous thing, she will not sit in that pew again. And she's been sitting there for many years. By all probability, she'll probably go to be with the Lord sometime this week. Now, of course, that's the Lord's business. I'm not trying to dictate anything. That's like he, he touched her and raised her up, give her 25, 30, 100 years if he wanted to. But by all odds, she will most likely go home to be with the Lord. And I'm glad there's some things that uh, for her, she needs to be certain of. I'm glad she's certain about a few things. I love this. Her sister asked her yesterday, she said, who is your pastor? She said, well, Jerry Steins is my pastor, and you can't have him. <laughs> Amen. I like that. Be good if some of you felt that way. Amen. Truth of the matter is, John concludes this great epistle, and I don't even believe we even touched the surface of it, but he concludes with five things we can be certain of. Let me show them to you. Number one, Christians can be certain of eternal life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Now, I need to just take a recess here and just share this. We can debate it from now to Jesus comes on what you believe. Well, I just don't believe in eternal security. I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that. We, we can debate it from now to Jesus comes, but at the end of the day, the only life God has to offer is eternal life. He offers no different kind of life, just eternal life. And I'm just thrilled about that, Amen. One day they'll roll me up front and I've told you before, I want you weeping. I don't, I'm going to bless God. I'm going to come back and haunt you if, you're, if, I, if I'm watching from heaven and you're not crying. I'm going to come back and haunt you. I'm going to show up at your house. But the reality is, when they come by and they say, Preacher, you get word that Preacher Jerry's died. I want you to know that's the biggest lie that's ever been told. This body, you'll put back in the ground, but I want you to know I've never been more alive. The reality is God says he gives these things. Now, what are these things? Well, all that is written in a, 
uh, book of 1 John, all that whole book, these things have a written that you might believe that you have eternal life. I find John's first book of the gospel, the, the gospel book that he wrote. Listen to what he said in John 20, 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John wrote that we might believe. Now let me say this. He gives eternal life when you believe it or not. But if you can believe, he gives eternal life. Can I get real personal this morning? Do you know, do you know, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning? I'm just thrilled about that matter. I'm telling you, it just thrills me to know him. To know regardless of what the day may hold, what this month may hold, what this year. I, I was making a visit, and uh, this always makes me feel good. I just want you to know. So if you said it just thrills me to know in, let it come in. Boy, preacher, you're getting like I am, just white-headed. And my good, that just always makes you feel good, don't it? Amen? Yeah. And then, uh, uh, well, I tell you, it's white, but it's real. There ain't no dying then. Amen. Uh, I got a preacher friend. He dies his hair, and I know he does. And, uh, but the reality is, the reality is, just think how awesome that is. John not only says that if we believe, if we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he'll save us. But then he comes in First John and says, I'm going to give you something extra. I'm going to let you, I'm not only going to, God, Jesus will save you, but he'll step over here and make certain, make certain that you know that you're saved. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? I'm glad this morning God said, I'll make it possible through his word that not only that we know the way to be saved, but for us also, the absolute confidence and certainty that we are saved. We struggle with a lot of uncertainty in our world today. Do we not agree on that? A lot of uncertainty. I mean, it's, a, it's a, we watch five minutes of news and you recognize real quickly this world is in a very uncertain place. Um, and a whole lot of people are trusting a whole lot of things. But let me say this. If you're trusting anything more than you're trusting in a holy God, then your trust is in the wrong place. Because I want you to know, be, be certain about this. I want you to know that everything else is all, it's already teetering. It's already in a very uncertain place. Someone said, I, well, I'm, I'm going to trust the government. God help you. Lord, we'll come to the altar. We'll just have a word of prayer with you right now. 
Someone said, we're going to trust the economy. Lord help you. We, we can, there's not anything in this world that we can nail our trust to. But I thank God, I thank God, I thank God we put our trust in him and he gives us eternal life. Christians can be certain of eternal life. Second, oh, I like this one. Christians can be certain of answered prayer. Christians can be certain of answered prayer. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. I'll talk about this more in depth tonight. And I hope you'll come. Hope you'll be in your place. If you're a visitor, we welcome you. We give you a, an invitation. Members are expected. One of the things that, that challenges me in, in this stage of life, and I see it all around me, is do we truly believe and expect God to answer prayer? Now, he said we can know, we can know that he answers prayer. I read this week, and man that crossed the country, preached, great preacher, Dr. James Stewart, and uh, he done all these evangelistic meetings and started praying about someone to go with him. He wanted someone to travel with him. And uh, there was a man in the community, he was... Uh, by Mr. My name of Herbert Brown, and Herbert Brown had a stuttering problem. I mean, not just a stuttering problem; he had a severe, severe stuttering problem. I mean, he would stutter almost every sentence, and he would spit on you trying to get the word, and he would pop that right leg trying to get the word out. He, he had such an issue with it. He came to Dr. Stewart and said, I, I will, I'll travel with you. And Brother Stewart said, Lord, this won't work. I mean, he, he stutters so bad, he just, this just won't work. I, and he said, what will people think? And, and after a long ordeal with the Lord, the Lord finally said, you leave that up to me. I want you to bring him. So the first time they got together and Herbert Brown got in the corner and started praying. And when he would pray, he was as clear, I mean, not a stutter, not a syllable. And he could pray and God anointed him and touched him and touched his praying to no end. I mean, Dr. Stewart's over there and he's just scratching his head. And, and when he got done praying, he went right back to stuttering the same, the same magnitude that he was before. But when he prayed, he said, it's just like God just opened heaven up. So he said, okay. He said, now Herbert, he said, I want you to do it. We're going to this meeting. I want you to go to one side. I don't want you to say nothing to nobody. I don't want you to talk to nobody. But I want you to start praying. On one occasion, they said, 
that a bunch of atheists was coming to the meeting and they were going to disrupt the meeting. Sure enough, they came in. Herbert's over here praying. They came in the meeting. The leader of the atheists came up to the podium, Dr. Stewart's preaching, and he drew his hand back to hit him and froze. Just froze for about two minutes. Finally was released he ran back to that crowd, sat down. Dr. Stewart preached to that crowd for about two hours. A whole slew of them got saved. Herbert's over here praying. See, he later on, he, he said, Dr. Stewart, would you please pray? God take his stuttering away. He said, I'm so embarrassed. I can't even have a sentence. Would you please pray? He said, he said brother, he said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to pray this prayer. God, if it takes his power and his prayer life away from him, never take that stuttering away. But if you can let him have his prayer and, his, and the power of God on his prayer, then Lord, take it away. Lord never did take it away. Do you believe in prayer, God said, Christians, you and I this morning, that said, you said, amen, just a little while ago. And when I ask you, do you know that Jesus Christ as your Savior, most of you said, amen. But do you know, do you know that he answers prayers? Now, how do we do that? How do we know? How how do we, how can we get assurance of that? Well, let me show you the qualifier in verse 14. First of all, it's having a personal relationship with God. Can I say this? God is more than able. He's a sovereign God. In his sovereign purpose, God may speak to a lost individual. and In the Bible, he used lost individual. One time he used a donkey, so he can probably use any of us. Right? I'm not preaching to you, not, it's not the Bible. Don't look at me. He called us me a, a donkey or something else. <laughs> no, he didn't use, use anything. Let me say this. God's not obligated to any unbeliever. Well, he's not obligated to any of us. We need to understand God's not obligated to any of us. But he's definitely not obligated to an unbeliever. And God says, we have that relationship with him. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear us whatsoever. We ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. First John 3, 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. First of all, it takes a relationship with the Lord. It kind of sounds like John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, 
and she be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Second, God pray with a pure heart. Psalm 66 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. God doesn't, if there's sin in your heart and you know there's sin there, God's not going to hear you uh, pray a prayer. He's not going to, he's not, he's just not. The only prayer you hear is you're asking for forgiveness. Praying with the right motive. This fixes those that says, well, I prayed for a motorcycle and a boat and a new car and didn't get it. This fixes that right real quick, okay? Are you listening? Here's your motive. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Notice what he said. If you ask anything according to his will. Now listen. The goal of prayer, and this will help you. I mean, if you're asleep right now, you want to wake up and hear this. This will help you. You see, the goal and motive of prayer is not to gratify your selfish, self-centered heart. But it is to glorify the God of heaven. Answered prayers, God's not interested in your self-centered, selfish request. He's interested in what brings glory to him. Wow. James 4, 3, you ask and receive not because you ask to miss that you may consume it upon your lust. Too much of our praying is high-level begging. I call it just high-level begging. God give me, God give me, God give me, God give me. What's amazing, if our prayer is God give me all the time, it's rare that we're ever thankful when he does in his mercy and grace answer our prayer. Then we come to verse 16 and 17. When I first read these, they seem just out of place, do they not? I mean, it's, I, I know this didn't happen, but it looks like that the Holy Ghost said, now Jesus, we got these two verses here. When you want to stick them? Well, just stick them right there. No, they, they, they seem to be out of place. They're, they seem to be out of context. It means he's talking about knowing that you have eternal life, knowing that as a Christian, he answers prayer. Well, that's the reason y'all pray. That's the reason y'all pray. Then in verse 16 and 17, he says this. I want you to listen because it's not out of place. If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Man, what in the world did he put that there for? Well, let me tell you why he put that there. He's talking about getting answered to prayer. 
And John says that it is possible for a Christian to commit sins so offensive to God that God will say, I'm just going to slip you out of here that your soul might be saved in the last days. I believe there's a line of grace that we can cross. You say, well, does the Bible, I believe there's, uh, let me put it to you this way. Now, he's not talking about a sin as falling short. Of, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. We all understand that we all, we don't, we don't want to, but we all do. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But no way he's talking about here is a willful, habitual sin. I want you to listen to me very carefully. You say, what did he, has he ever done this? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 5. About a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira with his wife sold a possession. Oh, Barnabas had sold some land and gave the money to the church. And boy, that was, that's just what a blessing that was. And I, or more likely, Sapphire punched him, said, we got some land. Well, everybody's pleased about Barnabas. So let's sell that land, give the money to the church. And uh, by the way, I like that ideal, amen? Anyway, some of you ain't saying amen. Some of you, I didn't hear any amens just then. But he said, let's just sell that land. And uh, let, let's just say hypothetically, we don't know, but we, it's hypothetically, we'll sell for $10,000. Boy, that'll help the church. And, boy, that'll be a blessing. Be a blessing to us. But when they got the money, and I said, well, man, the house needs a new roof, and I need a new car, and we need, we need, to, get, we need to fix some stuff up. And, she said, I could sure use a new dress. Let's just give the church half the money. Are you listening? Give the church half the money. And we'll keep back part of it. So they come in and Peter said, and, I, uh, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. See the line. Dishonest. It ain't about the price of the land. It's about the heart. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You told the Holy Ghost you was going to give all that to the church. Now why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? See, nobody could see that. It wasn't visible. Nobody knew it. There's God in heaven knows it. Can I say this? Are you listening? Are you listening? You better do what you tell the Holy Ghost you're going to do. He may take it personal. And he said, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost and kept back part of the price of the land. While this to remain, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. 
So you see a line, and God says, hold it. Well, how's he going to deal with it? And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. He was dead before he hit the floor. You see, could God still do things? I don't see any reason why he couldn't. I believe a lot of premature deaths come. First Corinthians eleven twenty nine. When a couple of weeks we'll have communion. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That word sleep is that many die because he said they've sinned to the point that God said, I'm going to take them to heaven. And I believe with all my heart, when I was a little boy, when I was a little boy, the old preacher we had was a good man. Oh, he was a good man. His wife died. And he would get in the pulpit and he'd start preaching. And he would just start weeping halfway through it. He just, he just missed her so much. He was just broken. He'd just start weeping. There's a cantankerous old man said about, about where Caleb's at now, about middle ways. One Sunday he stood up. He said, why don't you sit down, shut up, and let somebody else preach? As a little boy, I still remember them words. And I watched this old man of God just wept. He just went over and sat down. The next day, we got word that fellers had his guns out cleaning them. His granddaughter walked up and picked up one. And without any knowledge of it at all, there was a bullet in the chambers and shot him by dead center of his heart. See, there's some things God said you can cross the deadline with. You can cross a place. I, I believe God, God hears and answers prayers. Now, I want you to listen to me now. God hears and answers prayers. But somehow we got this ideal that we can go on rebelling and doing what we want to do and God will just keep winking at it, looking the other way, and, and God's going to keep looking. We murder over a million and a half babies a year. You think God's going to continue to look the other way while we're doing it? He's not looking the other way. And one day, He's going to show up and judge this nation for the, for the hell that they're doing. I'm telling you, God's not going to always look the other way. Sooner or later, He'll step in and say, That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. See, and I believe that that's a warning he put in here. That we know we have eternal life. We know that God answers prayers. But he said there's some things you can get to the point of. God said there's no need in you praying about that. It wouldn't have helped for them to pray for Ananias and Sapphire because God took them out. Number three, Christians can be certain of eternal life I've answered prayer. Notice number three, victory over sin. And we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Again, he's not talking about 
falling short of God's glory. We all sin and come short of God's glory. You know what he's talking about? We now have victory over that habitual sin that's, that's captivating so many lives. When sin becomes a pattern in your life, you know what I'm talking about. When sin becomes the normal, becomes a pattern, and we're masters at justifying it, are we not? We are masters. We, we, we're, we can do a very good job of just justifying. Well, you know, one, one, one bill won't send you to hell. No, it won't. But the Bible says, drinking is like handling an adder, a snake. It'll bite you. And by the way, the alcoholic gets to become an alcoholic. How? One drink. So there is. There's not. See, when we start making excuses and we keep, we condone and, and we justify sin, God says, no, I give you victory over that. I'm glad he'll give victory over any person regardless of whatever sins in their life. Satan tempted, I was praying this morning. By the way, I was praying for some of you. And sometimes we look and we think, man, I don't know, I just don't know if, I, if there's hope for that person. And how, Have you ever prayed for somebody wonder if you had any hope for them? I mean, they're just such a mess, they're lots of crazy, and they're in such a fix. But I want you to know, praise God, I serve a God that is able to give victory over sin. He can take a beer out of your hand and put a Bible in, amen. He can take your feet from a bar to the house of God. He can take any person that has it. He can take the dope addict and make them love Jesus. The reality is he can give victory over sin. We ought to know that. We need to know that. The devil says, I got you. Satan says, I got you. Satan says, I got you, you're mine. I'm going to destroy you. But the reality is, he can't do anything with Jesus. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Christians can know that we have eternal life, answer prayer, and victory over sin. We do not have to live defeated lives. Can I say that again? We do not have to live defeated lives. Lord, I long for the day. I long for the day when I can see people that say, I know Jesus. Get their chin out of their shorts, put a smile on their face, and say, praise God, but I know I'm saved, and I just love the Lord. Praise God for being saved and walking around like they've lost their best. Some of you walk around like you've lost your best friend. Won't you come to church? My God, it's killing you. I don't want to come. It's killing you. Amen. Lord, you're not going to win no one that way. 
I was hoping there'd be a man this morning. Come, his name is Dale Lawton. You pray for Dale Lawton. Witness to him at the car wash the other day. And I had just a good time talking to him. And I was hoping he would be here this morning. You pray for him. That God would save him. I didn't approach him with saying, well, pray, I tell you, why don't you come trust with me? Yeah. Probably wouldn't have done much for him. But I said, how you doing? He said, fine. Live here in Hickory, yes. You ever get to Granite Falls? He said, once in a while. I said, I don't blame you. It's not safe in Caldwell County. And, uh, and uh, I said, uh, but if you ever do, I said, how about you come out? I said, are you a Christian? He said, I can't rightly say that I am. And we sat down and you know about, you know how the devil does about the time? They never hurry on my car, but that day they did. And I had the track and I was reading it to him. And they hollered and the car's ready. So I said, will you do me a favor? Will you read this? He said, I promise you I'll read it. And then I said, I want you to do something else. I want you to come to church. And he said, I'll try to talk my wife into it. You pray for his wife. Amen. That might be the real prayer right there. Reality is victory over sin. Number four, Christians can be certain that we belong to God. First John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness. We are not of this world. We are not part of this world's system. We don't belong to this world. We belong to another world. It's already ours. There are times that all of us want to belong. We want to belong to a part. How many members in school and they lined, divided the, uh, two captains and they picked sides for the play ball. Everybody wanted to be part of, wanted to belong. It don't make you feel good if you're the last ones. Well, we'll take him, but we have to. Matter of fact, if you want him, we'll just go ahead and forfeit him and you can have him. But the reality is everybody wants to belong. And I want you to know we belong to someone. That's the reason why that we ought to live for him, serve him, and love him because we belong to him. When did he buy you? On a cross like Calvary 2,000 years ago. He said it was finished. He said, Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, First Peter, you're bought with the price, the precious blood, not silver and gold. You belong to somebody. You are the property of someone. And I want you to know, my, what a victory that is. Then number five, Christians can be certain we have eternal life. Answered prayer, victory over sin, that we belong to God. And all this is probably the greatest truth of 1 John, that Jesus Christ is the true God. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true, even His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, 
Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. This verse simply says, this God that you're putting your trust in, this Savior that you're hanging your eternity on, John just simply says, that's him. That's him. I'm going to have uh, my, my ladies they, uh, to learn this song. Uh, they sang last night. It was, it was so that, that he's in the midst and that's him. The reality is this morning that Jesus is the true God. There's a lot of gods out here today. And a lot of people worshiping a whole lot of things. Some of you worship things that's got four tires on it. Probably not a Ford, but anyway, worship <laughs> four things that got, got a four tires. Some of you worship got two tires on it. Some of you worship a bank book. Some of you worship a job. But if you couldn't do that job, they'd probably have you replaced in about 10 minutes. Boy, that's a God to serve, isn't it? That God really loves you, doesn't it? I've told this, I worked for Hickory Chair for 10 years. In my department, I didn't do it. The people working for me did. But the people in my department, we put a million dollar profit to the bottom line for that company for 10 years. And whenever I give my notice, in 15 minutes, there's a fellow standing at my desk. He said, I'm going to take your job. Can I have your desk? I said, no, I ain't gone yet. <laughs> See, I'm glad that I know the one and true and only God. I want you to know, John said, that we can know that. He said, be guard yourself from worshiping other gods than the true God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. John said, 14.6, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the question is, there's no middle ground. So what are you going to do with Jesus? That's really the question, isn't it? What are we going to do with him? He said we can know all these things, but what are we going to do with him? We can know. We can know. He's the one true God. This past week, we were privileged to be in probably the best conference I've been in my lifetime. And it was wonderful. And my heart was touched. I mean, with every speaker. I mean, every speaker. But you know what? After the conference was over, Thursday morning, I said, now, Lord... I heard, I heard, you touched my heart. Now, I've got to apply it. I've got to do it. What I heard, 
I've got to do something with it. And that means I had to change some routines. I've had to change some things. I had to change some thinking. I've had to change some things. I'm in the process of not changing the Bible, not changing what I believe, changing what I'm doing. Can I give you just one? I'm glad you want to hear it. I can just tell by the look on your face. You're dying to hear it. Before the conference, first thing I did when I woke up was went to the computer and checked my emails. First thing. But now, since this week, the first thing I'm doing, instead of checking my computer... I'm checking the Word of God, seeing what He's got to say before I hear from anybody else on what they got to say. And it's been astounding. You know He's got a lot to say. Do you know that? And there's something about the morning. See, what's it? What you, what you going to do with Jesus? We know these things. He said we got eternal life. We, we, we know we got these things. We got eternal life. We know He answers prayer. Well, we can know that from now that Jesus comes. Have you prayed? I would ask His questions. I really don't want to know because I, I got a hunch I might get my feelings hurt. But I would just for a little bit. How many prayed? For this service this morning. How many have prayed for someone that's lost? How many has prayed that God speak to me this morning? Well, I just, I just think you confess to somebody on Sunday morning. I ain't, we won't talk about that. We can have the long lip on Sunday morning. We can do everything else on Sunday morning. We can go to McDonald's on Sunday morning. We can do a lot of things on Sunday. But I want to ask you, have you prayed? We know He answers prayer, but have we prayed? I can want something. But you know what? I can stand here in front of George and look pretty and know what I want. I can, I can just look pretty. I mean, I just... Straighten my tie, smile at him. But you know, if I don't never talk to him, he don't really know what I want. And you know, that's where we approach God. Well, he knows everything. I know he knows everything, but he wants you to ask. We have not because we what? Ask not. He wants you to ask. We know he answers prayers. Are we praying? We, we know we have victory over sin. Why are you still lying? Are you listening? And let me say this. If you're a habitual liar, and that's all you do is lie, oh gosh, I feel sorry for you. I know a couple of people that have lied so much, they believe their own lies. God just needs to touch them. Oh, you have victory. Are you, you got to, what you sin? You have victory, but you got to do something about it. That we belong to God. Some of you feel lonely. You feel you don't belong. I'm going to tell you, do you know this truth that we belong to God? Won't we act like we belong to God? 
I've used this so many times. My children are here. You pray for Tammy. She's sick this morning. Several others sick. You pray for them. But my children are here. You know, my, and my grandchildren are here. You know, my children come into my house and they do the strangest thing. I don't know if it's like, well, it's your house, but this way my house, they go in, they get my refrigerator. They want a soda, they get a soda. Now, they, I'm, I'm telling you, they've been talking, Paul, can we have a soda while they're popping the top off of it? Yeah. You know why? Because I'm going to never tell them no. Because you know what? They're family. They're family. If we belong to Christ, why do we act like we're strangers to Him? We belong to Him. And then last of all, do you know that He's one true God? Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As they're making their way up here to...